Welcome everyone. You are listening to the I Am a Spartan podcast with your host, Scott Knowles. Enjoy the show. It will probably suck. <laughs> Scott Fane Knowles, and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR Podcast. On this episode, I interview Ryan Kempson, the winner of the first U.S. Championship race in Jacksonville, Florida. Hope you enjoy it. Ryan Kempson, what is up today, my friend? What's up, guys? How you doing? Pretty good, man. So, you had an awesome weekend in Jacksonville, Florida, man, and I'm more than happy that uh, you agreed to do this interview with me. I'm stoked to be on with you. Excited to talk some. So, for those of us that, you know, don't know a lot about Ryan Kempson, man, tell us about, like, you know, how old you are, you know, what do you do for a living, how, how did you get into your first OCR race? Tell us about Ryan. Uh, well, Ryan, uh, Ryan grew up in Vermont next to uh, Killington. Uh, where the notorious beast was. I was a ball sport athlete growing up, played some college basketball. Um, But, you know, growing in Vermont, you spent a lot of times outdoors. So my brother Matt and I literally spent, you know, eight, 12 hours a day as kids outside in the woods, building forts, throwing sticks at each other, Um, you know, riding bikes around. You know, we grew up on... 10 acres, uh, but that 10 acres was on the side of a, a mountain. Uh, we looked right. up on a mountain and just pretty much had a, a mountain to explore uh, to ourselves. Uh, Mom and dad weren't, um, didn't really have a leash on us. Uh, she just, she has this ridiculous whistle. Um, yeah. I'm not talking like a physical whistle. I'm talking, you know, the, the, the mom that can put her fingers in her mouth and blow, and it sounds like a foghorn. It's so loud. And I've always wanted uh, to learn how to do that, and I've tried it, and I usually just get oh, my hand man. wet with spit. I, I, it's, it's, <laughs> you get, there must be a, just a knack for that. You know? Yeah, I try, she tried teaching me forever at the dinner table. Just like, I just would be spitting all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we would literally just go out and play. She wasn't worried about us, and she would call us in for, for dinner, and that's about it. You know, we didn't didn't have cable tv as a kid um wasn't really because my mom didn't want it is they they what didn't exist in vermont up in the mountain uh and you know satellites weren't reliable then so you know we just played outside um and that set a pretty uh, solid foundation to who matt matt and i are uh you know past that growing up we my dad owns a construction company uh and we grew up just doing manual labor lugging stuff around, um, you know, chores at home. We were responsible for the firewood. And uh, that kind of built the foundation of, uh, I guess, the toughness, grit, strength, uh, ability to endure things um, just from the the age of a childhood. So your dad Uh, was using y'all for, like, slave labor and not paying low wages, underage? Oh, we we didn't get paid. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all get to eat. You're welcome. Yeah, uh, yeah, when Dad cooked, it wasn't a good thing. It was uh, Campbell's uh, vegetable soup feeding a you know a thirteen year old kid that like 
the worst days at home were when dad had to cook dinner. Heck yeah, man. <laughs> Ravioli, spaghettios, meatballs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so true. Um, yeah, so, you know, grew up, went to college, uh, graduated. Um, I was real into basketball, so I coached basketball for a number of years, ran a, a club basketball program for about five years. Um, my brother and I got into obstacle course racing kind of by chance. Um, there was a small one at his college at UConn we did. Um, then we uh, did a couple ones in Jersey, a couple local ones. And I, honestly, I'm not really sure how we started doing it competitively. Uh, I think we kind of just evolved with it. You know, we got involved in 2012, 2013. So really when like Spartan racing started um, growing some. And we just got involved with the, the competitive racers in the community and became friends and just kind of started growing with this. And, you know, the honest truth is my brother, you know, we kept saying like, oh, we'll, we'll do it another year. And, you know, that's it. Yeah. Um, and we kept saying that. <laughs> and <laughs> here we are seven years later, six or seven years later, and we're still doing it. And it's evolving into this uh, legitimate sport. And, now there's no more talk, so let's do it for a year. It's just this is what we're doing, and it's it's who we are. Um, so it's it's weird. I, I don't if you tell me this is where uh, what I would be doing um, professionally five years ago. I, I mean, I don't think I would have believed you. Right. I didn't. I don't think I would have believed the sport even would have been to this point yet. Uh, and it's pretty ridiculous how rapid the sport's grown. It's just pretty wild. So. Yeah, it, it, it definitely is showing ups and downs, you know, with what the financial problems Tough Mudder's going through. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it, even though it is, uh, it, it's still a young sport, you know, you know, just from, yeah. I mean, even, yeah, from, yeah. even from the rules and the big snafu from this past weekend, which mm-hmm. a lot of it was a whole lot of BS, if you ask me, but... You know, it's just we're growing, and we're. I think yeah. we're, it's getting better every year. You know, it is, and, and the growth I like to see. You know, isn't the financial, or even that there's other companies growing with it. It's, it's the the growth of the elite and competitive and age group athletes that are present. Like people are taking it more serious, serious than ever. Yeah, and you know, I've said this something like four years ago in like the men's field, you can have a a Robert Killian come in or, or some other athlete and just have instant success. Yeah. Like that's not pop. It's in the guy side. I don't think it's possible anymore. You can come I from yeah, I agree. any sort of background and come in and like, you've got to train to win these races. Um, I mean, there's guys who are racing against down in Jacksonville that are, you know, two nineteen marathoners and stuff, you know, that's insane. presently, presently that fast. And, you know, that person came in four years ago they had run with the top guys, no problem. Yeah, um, and you wa- and, and you, you kicked know. their ass this weekend too. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> what's what's your marathon time, man? Uh, my marathon time is non-existent because I've never done one. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like me. I've done an ultra beast. Does yeah. that count? <laughs> yeah, like I've never done. Like I've done four or five Ks in my life. I've never done a ten K or any other kind of road race. So, you know, I have, I have no way to compare. I, I don't think I'd finish a marathon. Honestly. I don't think I would either. I think my joints would be like, what the hell are you doing? Go get back on yeah. the trail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that looks like it hurts yeah, a lot. Man, you ain't but, lying. Uh, yeah, and, and development honestly, like when I came into the sport, if I came in with the fitness 
I had when I first started, um, you know, this weekend I probably would have been uh, finished in probably 60th place or something. You know, it's just there's it's on a whole different level now, um, which is exciting. That growth is just phenomenal. And that's that's how you have a sport. But, you know, the, the companies don't make a sport. It's the, the level of athletes. I mean, that's why you, you go watch a basketball or a football game. You, you go to watch these stars play and these 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 humans that are putting on like just a physical show and feats that most people can't do. And, you know, OCR athletes can do things pretty special, you know, with the grit and endurance and toughness and strength and so on. So it's, yeah, it's, it's exciting evolution. Yeah. What, what is like made you keep coming back to, you know, every year, like you said, to the races, man. Um, I told a lot of people this, uh, you know, I've, if you, have, if you haven't heard already, I had a uh, had a hip injury early on um, when I first started racing. Um, yeah, your boy Dave McGee talked about it during the, uh, yeah, the live yeah, cast. Yeah, they, they, they did a good job of highlighting kind of who I was which in the story, which I don't know if a lot of people knew. Well, I've got now, I, I disagree with you on one part <laughs> because okay. when you were talking to Dave and, and David was talking about how you being a, a flat runner, I was thinking, man, is this guy not on current event quizzes? Because the two <laughs> Ultra Beasts I ran uh, last year – I ran New Jersey yeah. and I run Killington. And yeah. so when when the Beast Elite passes me, I'll look at my watch just to give the second place guy like a heads up, you know, and I'll do that as it goes yeah, down, yeah. you know. And mm-hmm. when we were at Killington, I was like, damn, when is the second place guy going to pass me? Because I bet you, I think you were like six minutes ahead of second place. When when yeah. when second place finally passed me during the ultra, I was like, yeah. "Man, Ryan's having a really good day, or <laughs> or, or you're having a bad day because he's six minutes in front of you." <laughs> no, I, I I felt pretty damn good that day. Um, I, I can't remember if it was Bracken felt. or not. I think it might have been Bracken. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure Bracken was behind me most of the race, and I, you know the late the lead kept growing to some point as any anywhere between six and I think like 12 minutes or something ridiculous, but and in hey, man, New Jersey, you passed me like I was standing like, still too, man. <laughs> those are two, you know, Vermont's my, my home turf and Jersey, my family's from Jersey. So I always have like friends and family coming to watch. So like, you know, it's just like a home game in basketball. You're going to like, your performance is always elevated when you're on that home turf. You know, you're going to, gonna do pretty well out there yeah but uh, I, I mean when he when david said that and you said you know well i kind of take offense to that and i was like damn right you do <laughs> i was like david must yeah. not be up on current events man yeah so uh i guess back to the question is because of that injury and be, like i i recognized early on i had probably had um a talent a, a skill set that that thrive in this sport um but it's very frustrating being hurt and not coming from running and slowly building um but i think what kept coming uh, keep me coming back is i just kept getting better um you know a lot of these athletes coming into sport from an endurance background and they're looking at improving their performance by you know one two three maybe five percent like that's a big performance gain um, in off season for, you know, a seasoned athlete, I, I'm having like these 20 or 30%, you 
you know, improvements. Uh, you know, wow. if I, I do these 5K times and I drop 30 seconds off, you know, four months later, and I just, you know, when you, you get that feedback of just improvement, 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 um, it makes you want more. And then, as I tell a lot of people, I came from ball sports, and ball sports, you win or you lose. You know, there's no first, second, third, fourth place. Right. You're either a winner or you're a, a loser. Yeah. yeah, and there's a team aspect. Um, so because of that, it just is kind of ingrained in my body and my, my brain to either win or lose, and I, I want to be the best at something. So the combination of seeing myself improve, kind of falling in love with the sport and running, which was kind of tough for me at first, and everybody doesn't come from running understands that, and then just uh, having this competitive nature to want to be the best just kept me, kept driving me. And, you know, I, I have a long road to go still. Um, you know, one race doesn't prove much of anything. It says like, you're capable, but you know, these giants in the sport, you know, your Atkins and Woods and Killians and Kents, you know, the, what's special about them is they're consistent and they do it over the course of a year and two years and three years. Um, so that, that's, that's really my goal is to, um, have my name be mentioned with, with those guys at some point. Um, and one race does not do that. It's it's going to take it's going to take a year of performing well, not just on flat courses, but you know, in Big Bear and Utah and Tahoe and and so on. Um, so a lot of room for improvement. Well, what did it feel like being the assumed underdog and putting the smackdown on the whole field this past <laughs> weekend, man? Uh, it always feels good. You know? <laughs> um, it, it felt. Good, you know, it feels great to, to have uh, have control of a race. Um, but I tell you, I was running scared. Those guys behind me are phenomenal athletes, and you, if you let them for a minute, they come back. You know, you can't you can't take take them for granted. Um, you know, this besides that, uh, you know, I, I think I caught them by surprise too. I um, think so. I think Al. I think Alabama will be a better indication. I think they 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 will respect my my running ability and obstacle ability. Yeah, man, um, I think you earned some mad respect at that race yeah. over the weekend, and I, and I disagree with you. I think that your name will come up a lot more often after after that race for sure, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and it was impressive, I think it will man. Come up. Yeah, it's impressive, and, and I, I'm glad it comes up, but, you know, I want it to come up for the right reasons, too, you know. Um, so, I, I, yeah, we'll see. Um, you could but, tell for sure you were going after it, like, in the first two miles, man, and I was. it was really a, a big letdown that the footage kind of just of the men dropped off, like, yeah, after the gotta, bucket carry. Yeah, everybody missed out. That, so, the second – yeah, you didn't really see the battle in the bucket carry, and the second half of the race was – uh, pretty exciting because Woods closed the gap to like 12 seconds. Um, granted, I did take a, a detour the wrong way for about 50, 60 feet, which isn't oh, a lot man. of time. But it's, Where was that at? Yeah, I went over, it was after we did the Z-Wall and it's a big running section and I went over Bender and I, there was five volunteers standing there and I went over Bender and it was there was a, basically a Y. 
And I went over and I kind of ran towards the volunteers and kept going. And I'm like, I don't see any signs. I almost kept going. I turned around. I'm I like, know where you're talking. I'm going the right way. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 no. You got to go back here. I'm like, well, why didn't any of you guys say anything when I went running past you? Like, come on. You know? Um, see, it was so easy that, for me. I mean, I saw exactly what you were talking about, but it was easy for me to see where I had to go because there was like a, probably a hundred people in front of me already at this point. Because yeah, yeah, I run age yeah. groups, so yep. <laughs> I just I just followed yeah. the herd, you know. <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, that was tough because at that point that there was that long straight section there, and I kind of was able to get out of Woods's um, eyesight, which that's a that's a big deal in a race. Once yes. you you lose that contact, the visual contact, you can build a bigger lead. Um, so he got back into sight. strategy. And it, yeah. And then we came out of that, of the, that kind of swampy wet section and we got the twister and he had, he was only 12 seconds behind me. Like it was going to be a, mm. a, a battle to end. But, um, he, he went to make a move on twister to try to like, I think swing through it and, uh, cut down that gap even further. And it was so it's wet, so that was a I, swampy I run. Yeah, it was like you were running in foot water bit. most of the race. Back yeah, that's back. What, people don't understand. It wasn't muddy. It was just, it was just water, standing water. Yeah, through. like it, it was uh, it was exhausting the run through. So uh, yeah, he cut cut the lead to twelve seconds, and then um, flipped up, and then a gap happened. But um, we, you know, we we're all pushing really hard at the end, uh, especially through that water. That water. Water obstacle at the end was uh, a nightmare. You talking about the little? It, it wasn't a swim, but it was like hip no, deep it was, water. It was a wade. A wade, <laughs> yeah, like, a wade obstacle. A wade. You, you couldn't move either. Like yeah. it was tired, and you know, Woods and I are literally in it at the same time. Oh man! And like you're only fifty feet apart from one another, but it was a 30, 40 second gap. But like when you're that close, it just it's it just gets in. You know, it gets a little scary, like how close you're getting. <laughs> I know what what I but, uh, did was is I would like dive out and walk and dive out and walk, yeah. you know, and try to just get ground because I knew I could dive and kind of float forward faster than I could walk through it, you know, because you couldn't run through it. No, you couldn't. I, I think that's what Woods was doing. Um, I saw him kind of do that. Um, I actually grabbed the rope and was like pulling myself. Oh, that up. was a good and, idea. Yeah, because when you walk, what happens is your your legs go, but your upper body is held back with the resistance. So right. just having that tension allowed me to kind of keep my momentum going forward. They'll probably make um, a rule that you can't hold on to the ropes for water obstacles yeah, next I, year. I, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you never know these days, like, what's going to come out next. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and then after that, I was actually fortunate that that wooded section or kind of swampy boggy area yeah um i excel running through that terrain and uh, it allowed me to keep that gap that was already created and, um if it was all flat you know maybe woods would have run me down at that point um but uh, i think it slowed him down a little bit so it probably helped when you pushed him into that barbed wire and got him all cut up that probably <laughs> helped too <laughs> yeah man <laughs> Oh, I was like, I was terrified when it happened. I mean, you get when when someone gets caught in that, they just let oh, out man. this this yell. That's uh, I, I didn't even know how to describe it. It's kind of like a because he was kind of helpless. He was just kind of wrapped in, it and like it was scary to hear. I actually yelled out "medic" when we <laughs> did you? <laughs> yeah, like I thought he was going to be in serious trouble. On 
because I didn't see him after that for a while, and I, oh, wow. I honestly thought he was had dropped out of the race or something, because uh, I didn't remember seeing him in the in the sandbag or the bucket. That probably um, killed his I pace behind, a little bit too. Yeah, when I looked back and saw him wherever the next one was, right before the spear or something, um, I was just like, "Oh shit!" Like <laughs> he's coming back, Man. and uh, it looked I mean, like it tore he, him up pretty good. Yeah, I think you got some of those, uh, and you know, whenever you get torn up with a barbed wire, it's not always these like gashes or just these like puncture wounds. And that, you know, you remember your thin, your skin's not so thick, and those those barbs are pretty pretty long, and they they yeah. can do some serious damage. So, yeah, yeah. it was there. It was an exciting race for sure. I know, and somebody got a picture of his leg like hitting it, or like right before it hitting it. And you can see the look on his face. He's like, oh shit. Yeah, it was pretty. My, my brother, my brother was actually there. He's the one who helped him get out of it because he was so. Uh, oh, did he actually get tangled? It. His leg got tangled in it. He he got like he couldn't get out of it. Like he was literally tangled. It's not like he just cut. Like his leg flopped over top, and then he almost got basically got like wrapped in it. Um, so my brother went there and was helping, and while helping him out, he like pulled his hand. And then he like cut open his hand because a hand got caught in the barbed wire too, or something. Oh my god! Oh, so he got outside help. Oh man, he was really asking for a DQ. <laughs> well, I mean, at that point, I think they, I think uh, they allow. Uh, oh, I know. I'm just joking like around, that, man. Know? Ryan Woody, all uh, Ryan Woods always gets dealt a, a a shitty hand. I think so, man. Yeah, he got some bad luck. I don't know why. I guess he screwed the nice guy over or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah. like, it, uh, and the tri- like, I mean, he's had so many things that have happened not his way that, you know, I, I don't know when, when, uh, like, when, when does a bad luck stick get passed off to someone else? You know? I know, man. Like, <laughs> I know, man. It's just the stupidest, most unfortunate things. You know, you just, you never guess in a million years that stuff would happen. But. I know, man. It was like, I, when they announced that, I was like, man, I can't believe this. I'm mean, like, Woods is my boy, man. He's southeast, man. Anybody from the yeah. southeast, man, is, <laughs> that's the shit. But he, here's what was messed up, you know. When he got busted for the that DHEA shit he was taking, you know, mm-hmm. they tested him at OCR Worlds, and I get that, okay? Yeah. So, you know, strip his awards, blah, blah, blah. He didn't, you know, they didn't make him piss at Tough Mudder, so that was, that was wrong, you know. Yeah, that was wrong. Yeah, that's that, that was a tough situation, and I, yeah, it sucked that it happened to him. Yeah, man, uh, that was because I mean, know, not whole, to mention he was on the team too, man. That that was yeah. just wrong. That was unfair yeah. to him and unfair to the team, and that was just that was about as bad as them making a judgment off a live feed video. Yeah. <laughs> That is very true. You know, a lot of reactionary stuff has happened in this sport, which is uh, it's, it's tough to it's tough to see your friends go down for for something that was reacted to on social media or anything like that. So. Yeah, and I and I I went back and watched the live feed, you know, and I watched where <laughs> somebody was commenting. I want to say it was uh, Hunter uh, Russell's girlfriend or whatever his name was. He, she actually said something about, well, if you're going to penalize my boyfriend for it, why don't, why aren't you going to penalize Woods for it? So I don't know how it actually come about, but I did see that comment. And there's also a bunch of funny comments yeah. of Hunter McIntyre giving Dave McGee and uh, Robert <laughs> Killian shit. It was funny. There was one comment in there when they were interviewing uh, Robert, uh, Hunter went in there and said, 
hey, Robert, do you use coconut oil on your bald or something? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah, they're, they're doing a pretty good job with the live feed. It's kind of funny that everybody can chime into it, too. You don't see that in many sports. So. Yeah, it was pretty funny, man. It's, uh, so Pretty entertaining. And here's my, my take on it. I know that the volunteers... I'm not blaming anything on the volunteers because, I mean, Spartan's mm-hmm. doing the best with what they can get. And yeah. I understand it's every racer's responsibility to read the rules and know everything, but there's a lot of rules in there. And the re- I knew that you're not supposed to grab that truss, but it wasn't from reading the rules. I knew it because one of the races I've done in the past, a volunteer said, Use just the net. Do not touch the truss. I mean, that's how I yeah. knew that. And I'm sure the volunteers probably that are out there during a U.S. championship race, they probably assume, I don't have to tell these guys that. They're running elite. Their ball's to the wall. They don't want to hear me talking. They're in the zone, you know. So I'm sure yeah. that probably had a little bit to do with it, too. My problem yeah. was is, is don't come after him and try to penalize him after the fact because they saw something in a video because that that is not in the rules that we can bust you for something if we see it in the live feed you know what i mean yeah you have to if it if a, yeah, i've been asked this a lot but the, you know in, in a situation like that you need to um, it needs to be called on the spot because as a racer um you know i, I keep saying the analogy with the you know like ball sports yeah. you know when if you commit a foul you're not going to stop playing you're going to keep going because that's all it was that touching the truss is isn't cheating it's not skipping an obstacle it's not failing an obstacle yeah. it's it, it's in your path and i mean it could happen by mistake um and when you're going full tilt racing some of the finish line an athlete's natural instinct is you know they're their, their body is going to take the easiest pass possible yeah. and when you have the netting super loose and yeah, your it hand was just goes too. down yeah like it, it just happens and you but the bottom line you need to have someone call it there um on the spot otherwise you know an athlete's gonna move on and it's happened i agree many obstacles like in the past the the, the rules around the hercules voice you know i've had people yelling at me before uh to stop and redo it because uh, they they thought you weren't allowed to you had to have two feet on the ground which in the rule book it's it's not it um, used to so, be and they changed yeah that. but but you know instinct is you know we, we are taught you know the rules and you know you just you're gonna go until someone actually stops you with someone something that you know you're supposed to do yeah, and see, and th- and therein lies another problem there is sometimes the volunteers may not understand all the make and break rules of a certain obstacle. Because when yeah. we was in uh, the Florida Beast last year, one girl was told that she couldn't, you know, make a multiple attempt at a rope climb. Yeah. So, so it's... Um... You know, it's evolving, and it's it's hard to yeah, depend it on Spartan, but and, and that's where the disconnect comes. Is you, know, you got to have a good rule book, but at the same time, you have to have a rule book that uh, is able to be officiated, um, and you can't make obstacles <clears throat> that provide an opportunity for like a really quick disqualification by touching <laughs> something. Yeah, and I'll like like whatever monkey bars, all that other stuff. So it's 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 cut and dry. You fail it or you yeah. don't. Either you fall off it. Like you, you can't fail it any other way. This is it's not a gray area, but it's it's right there in front of you. 
Like, yeah. Well, it's like, it. I mean, Spartan race isn't necessarily in an infant stage, but live feed to seeing a penalty happen, I mean, that may have been one of the first times that was ever, you know, viewed. So, I mean, yeah. and then it was so close to Ryan being there, did he gain enough advantage to take place over Ryan? You know, maybe, maybe not. But yeah. to make an example out of him, I don't think that was the right thing. And I'm glad, I'm super glad, you know, they gave him a five-minute penalty, but that's better than a disqualification. But to me, honestly, if there wasn't a marshal there to say, hey, you didn't do that right, you have to redo it, I don't think yeah. he should have been penalized for anything. I mean, yeah. now that they yeah. saw that there was a problem, now change the rules and to where, you know, that won't be allowed the next time. But, you know. Yeah, that, that's the problem is, you know, if uh, you miss um, an obstacle, like a burpee penalty is, yeah. uh, you know, applied because it, it makes sense as far as how long it takes to do burpees. And if you miss a burpee, you get a penalty. Like, that all makes sense. Yeah. But, the, the fact that the, the problem is they didn't call it and he could have easily just gone back and done the obstacle and still finished in third place. Yeah. <laughs> like if someone had said something. Exactly. Um, so that's, that's where it's a little, uh, kind of sucks, but you know, it is what it is. You know, we're, we're playing by their rules. Um, right. and, uh, you know, they, they have to make distinct decisions based on what they put down in the rule book and that's fine. Um, it just sucks when it happens to your buddy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean, man. You know he just was distraught after that, and it was such an epic finish, too, man. Yeah, I, I was mad at him, or mad at everybody. Yeah. I wanted to celebrate with him, and he's had to take off, because, I mean, rightfully so. Oh, man, I don't blame him, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, Ryan, he, Ryan takes things in stride, man, so I'm sure he went and got a glass of wine and said, fuck these guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, sure. So did you get like stumped up like on any of the new obstacles coming to them because they were new to you, right? Um, yeah, I actually was a little nervous about them because I hadn't had a chance to to play them. I wasn't nervous about failing them, but right. I was nervous uh, about losing time or thinking too much. And the helix, um, uh, the helix was kind of challenging because there's there's just so many holds and yeah. i didn't really know where to put my feet and it was super slippery it was they picked um, a great spot to put that thing yeah i know <laughs> so that's that's uh, that was kind of a cooler obstacle than i thought you know kind of very similar to a z wall where it's nothing complicated but i mean you could fail it if you slip and it slows you down and yeah you know i don't think an obstacle is always meant to be failable yeah, um, it doesn't have to be that hard, but an obstacle—it slows the pace down, it creates more competition, and so on. Oh yeah, um, <clears throat> they got a lot of you know slack when they made that helix obstacle because everybody was like, "That looks super easy," blah blah blah. And I'm thinking, yeah. well, so is a five foot wall, so is a hay bale. It's not about yeah. it's not about it being failable. It's about it being who can get through it the most efficiently and the fastest. You know. Yeah, that's very true. And that that's obstacle a... will definitely slow you down. And it's like you said, when yeah. you get to that one where it's got the full sheet of lex sand on it, you're like, oh, where do I put my hands at, you know? Yeah. Um, you know what? I, I, I'm trying to think back. And the path, I, I don't remember getting to the point where that slip, that 
bullshit was. And I, I'm a little confused. I got to look back at the obstacle, and I, I don't know if every every path is the same. Somebody or said they were different because I got to one where it was leaning towards me, and so yeah. there was no place for me to put my hands on the top panel. So I had to just grab the sides, and it was a long arm span. And you had to put both of your feet up kind of high on one little open square. And uh, I think I did the same path both days because I knew I could, you know, do it. You yeah. Kind of like on Z-Wall. <laughs> interesting. It must be kind of like the Z-Wall, yeah, where you have kind of the two opposite sides. Um, that's the only thing I can think of. Oh. But that, and the beater, beater was, I mean, I really messed the girls up for sure. I mean, yeah. There's only a couple of them who passed it. But uh, I, I like that. You know, it takes... Um, a little technique yeah. uh and if it's wet it's not 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 that easy and if it gets cold then your hands are cold uh, I, like i remember last year in seattle the plain monkey bars were hard for us because we couldn't feel our hands yeah you know if they had thrown if that was there last year in seattle i, I don't know if anybody if many of the top guys would have passed that obstacle um so i i, I like it you know it's pretty simple um you know, and they're just there. It's not like they've taken anything, any upper body obstacle away to put that there. They're just adding it to it, which is uh, so there's just, you know, more grip strength obstacles, which is always fun. Yeah. See, and I was like kind of curious because I usually always do the monkey bars. I'll go sideways. That way your grip's kind of turning into it. And it mm-hmm. works good for me, you know, when it's wet. And I, I, I was worried the whole weekend, you know. And, and, and Kent had told me, because I saw a video where he went sideways on like an Arizona or somewhere out west he was doing it. And he said it works good, but you got to commit to that reach when you come off the beater and go to the next fixed bar. And so I was yeah. like, man, so if you paused out and you were going sideways on the turning section, man, that, that would be bad. And it just so happened when I was coming up to it, Actually, I was like on the curve away from it. I actually got to see a guy use the sideways technique, and mm-hmm. he, it, it it looked like it worked great for him. I was like, "All right, that's the way I'm going to do it." And I and I did it, and it worked pretty good for me. So I'm yeah. probably going to stick yes. with that. Yeah, that's what I did going through it. Um, I, I'm mostly a swinger through obstacles. I like just kind of monkey through them uh, when it's dry, but when it's wet, that's just that aluminum is so slick. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't care how much of a tightening grip you have if you go to like just one little little patch of mud on there from someone else uh you'll you'll slip so you got to be cautious with some of these obstacles but um yeah, yeah I, I commend them for adding some new stuff this year you know it's nothing nothing groundbreaking but you know it's better than they've done in the past which is is good yeah yeah and i heard they actually had changed it up a little bit to make it a little easier because I think ours only had two turnstiles in it where the the ones out west, they started doing it with three, and they changed it to two. Oh, they had three of those in there? Wow. I think out west uh, they did. That's what somebody was yeah. telling me. You know, it's yeah, like they used to always have three sections on Twister, but here lately it seems like they only have two most of the time. Yeah, that two makes it much easier for yeah, sure. That last section was always the just you kind of – I guess spent enough time on it that you, your arms starting to get burnt out, I guess. But, uh, yeah, not that twist is easy, but it's definitely, you can go through it a heck of a lot faster now, for sure. Yeah, I don't even worry about two sections. Like you said, on a cold day yeah. and it's raining, yeah, mm-hmm. three sections can get kind of tough. 
Yeah. And a lot of people complain about those black grips, man. When it's raining outside, I think you get more grip with the black grips than the... Yeah, so I didn't... Early on, you know, I, I actually swing through that when it's dry forward. Oh. Um, it's just a weird, like, reverse grip. Um, yeah. But when it's wet, uh, I really, I, I actually failed it in Seattle last year. Um, I just wasn't, I guess I wasn't comfortable doing it wet backwards. Right. Um, but I started doing it uh, actually in Tuxedo, New York last year. It was wet. Um, I believe it was only two sections, but it was on a hill. And there was about a one and a half foot rise to it, yeah. which makes it much harder. Um, and like playing on the day before, doing just the regular bars was was impossible. Um, and I found those those grips are much easier now. They changed them earlier in the year last year. The those grips had I think only like two like the way they were attached were. It's this black grip, and then there's two Velcros on it, Yeah. Um, which made for them, they slipped a lot, and they yeah. actually didn't even cover the whole handle, so like you, it was almost worse than the bar. They changed it to, it's actually, they, the ones that, the grips now are three Velcros, and they stay pretty sturdy, and at least they cover the whole handle. Right. And I found, like, you can't grab it like a normal bar. You, I, I put my hand through really far and lock it right. in there, um, and it, it stays pretty pretty secure yeah because i remember those first ones it was like they were really kind of maybe thicker around it too because sometimes like your hand yeah. kind of fumbled going into the the hole too yeah exactly yeah they definitely they did a good job upgrading that because the first yeah, those first holds sucked <laughs> do you remember the florida beast in uh 2017 where it had that twister that was that was like the first two section twister i did and it was going downhill that was so yep, easy. Yep. That was an easy one. It was really. I actually got to that, and I forget. I think I was racing Killian or something, and I actually lost time there because I got up to. I didn't realize it was only two sections, so I was like, it was super wet and kind of a little chilly. And it was that year it was cold in Florida, actually. Yeah, that Sunday but, was cold. The day before was yeah, okay. I, yeah, man, yeah. it was real cold. So I, I took some time there, and then I look up and I realize I'm like, oh crap, it's only two sections. I can get through this no problem. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Robert was talking about in the live feed about y'all battling it out down there too. He was giving you props. Yeah, he's. Uh, we've run some races, some flatter courses together. Um, you know, I, I think I probably before this year I've gotten when he's uh, had some injuries. So I, I never really took those with a grain of salt. <laughs> right. So I remember you you were saying earlier about a hip injury you had. Uh, tell us a little about about that. Yeah, I um, I had a torn labrum, which is uh, the socket your your hip bone goes in. Oh wow! Um, the edge of that was torn, um, and it wasn't from running. It was aggravated from running. It was from uh, I, it happened either in college or in high school. They're not sure, but it was pre-existing. I just kind of always I never knew about it, um, and because I you know was active on it so long it was such a big tear that um the tear actually dug out my acetabulum which is the actual socket so the tear was on the edge and then the socket the inside of the socket was actually at a 12 by 5 millimeter chunk dug out of my hip so and that chunk actually was floating in my yeah that chunk was floating in my hip socket for uh, how many years so when i first started training like I, it just didn't make sense to me. I would run and 
I'd be in excruciating pain the next day. Like couldn't move. And what happened is everything would guard and things just get ridiculously tight and my hip wouldn't move. And it was, I I didn't know what was wrong with me. It sucked. Um, so, but they went in and they cleared it out. It was just arthroscopic surgery. So Mm. very little incision went in there, took the chunk out. Um, they actually burn it to melt it. Um, too, so it's not abrasive anymore. Uh, close it up, and uh, the recovery from it took uh, quite a while. And you know, the problem is I wasn't a runner before, right? Um, so I had it was like a double-edged sword. You know, I couldn't. I was recovering from the surgery, but I also was trying to build up mileage too. So oh, wow, man. you know, trying to become a runner and then recovering at the same point it just was really really tough i mean 2016 i was running i i don't know five to ten miles a week you know like my longest runs were four and a half miles maybe yeah um and 2017 was when i first really started getting on a good running program consistently and i remember i would do a i particularly remember the first time i ever did a nine and a half mile run it was in the springtime of 2016 and I remember like my calves were so trashed after <laughs> I was like, I couldn't run for days and uh, it's been a slow build. Hey, you know, my girlfriend says that like this year in particular, the, the most exciting thing for her, like obviously the performance is great, but she goes, it's so nice having you come home from a race and not be trash for a week and a half. Like I used mm-hmm. to not be able to do anything for like, it would take me a week to recover just from a, a sprint race, like, or a super race. And, uh, it was really hard for her to watch me be in just pain for, you know, a week, week and a half at a time. And it just, for her as an outsider, it just it didn't look like it was worth it. Um, so it's nice that I come home and, you know, I can get back to things, you know, the next day now and, uh, feel pretty good about it. So it's been it's been a long road. Right. <laughs> if if you told me what it was going, what I would have to endure over the past three and a half four years to get to where I'm at, um, you know, a lot of people say oh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, I don't know if I would have signed up for this. <laughs> Honestly, it was uh, it was a really really long process and road, and you know, it's still still evolving. But uh, it was a lot of sacrifice and pain and uh, commitment, and uh, it was—it's it's tough. I'm glad I did it, but you, if you told me it was what it was going to take, I'm not sure if I would have signed up for it. <laughs> man, yeah, it's all man. It's depressing, you know, when you have an injury and you want to go out and run and and up your mileage, and then you get this nagging pain or this nagging injury, yeah. and you can't yeah. do it. It's it's nothing more frustrating for an athlete than yeah. You know, it's it's like not that. even the, the the running and stuff. Like my like I was a miserable human being for about a year and a half because I couldn't like I love being active. I love playing basketball, and I couldn't do anything without being in pain. Hmm. And like pain is pain is the worst thing in the world when it's yep. just chronic and it doesn't go away. Like it really it affects your mood. It affects the, your relationships affects everything, you know, what you do for work, um, competition, uh, it just affects your entire life. And, you know, I don't, I would never wish pain upon anybody because it's, uh, it, it, it really brings you down. 
Yeah. Um, but I'm glad I'm not on the other side of it. <laughs> yeah, man, that's that's good, man. Having something like that done to your hip and you've been able to run pain free, that's awesome. If anybody's running pain free, they're blessed, man. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree about that. Man, it's probably all that wood you had to chop when you were a kid, man, that messed up your hip. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. You got to eat, didn't you? (laughs) You know, it's not even a joke. Like, I I lived on a mountain. My mom, you know, I love her, but she forgot me at the bus. The bus didn't drive up our road. Oh, Uh, snap. We were two two and a half miles up a dirt road. Um, And, you know, she didn't pick us up half the time, so my brother and I would walk up the mountain with our backpacks on, you know, you know, high school, middle school backpack, you know, that thing is anywhere between 20 and 40 pounds. Like it's a lot of weight to carry on your back when you're going up. I think we lived, uh, about two and a half miles and it was about, I think probably 12 to 1300 feet from the bottom of the road and elevation gain up to the top. So it was, uh, maybe that's what made me a good racer. I don't know. Thanks for (laughs) jacking up my hip mom. Remember all the times you forgot about me. You forgot about your son. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no i give her credit i think it's what made me a strong person you know and, and be able to endure things for sure uh toughens you up walking up that yeah man day. i was like sandbag carries up the hill man with that book bag yeah. <laughs> hey, you know sandbag carries are, are are easy after you do construction too and you're carrying around two by four on your shoulder you yeah. know plywood on your shoulder you know it's that's that's the soccer the sandbag's nice and soft like it's pretty easy to carry <laughs> yeah you got calluses built up on your shoulder from the two by fours. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and like at Savage, you know, they have that obstacle where you carry that wood on your shoulder like that, and I'm always scared to like turn around with it because I'm scared I'm like gonna plank somebody with it. <laughs> to back someone with it? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah man. It's a, it's a dangerous weapon. <laughs> yeah, for real. So man, like when I was watching the live feed, I saw your brother Matt pretty much. He pretty much run most of the course with you. I don't know why he didn't just sign up too. What, <laughs> what, what was what was that like having your brother out there, man, just cheering you on the whole time, man? That had to be pretty uh, cool. Yeah, it's special. There's nothing better than that. Um, you know, we're fortunate to have a really loving and supporting family, um, and the same goes for his brothers. And you know, we've always said and been able to experience a lot of races with family there. And when you come around the corner of a race and your 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 brother or your mom or your dad or your aunt's there cheering you on, um, it, it gives you a much greater push and motivation and adrenaline rush. And, you know, racing, it, it's fun, but it hurts. You know, I don't care what race you're doing. It hurts to push that hard. And uh, that really lightens up your day and kind of gives you a, a little extra push to put the accelerator down and keep going. Um, so... You know, it's you can't substitute that. It's uh, it's definitely an advantage to have a friends and family there to help out for sure. Um, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Man, he was screaming at you so loud at the tire <laughs> flip. Know. You could hear him bleeding through on the live feed. It was, oh, I know. It was insane. You're <laughs> like, come on, come on. That was pretty cool. It looked like you were having some trouble with it. It looks like you were trying to lay it down on your fingers, and it slipped yes, out from your hands. I, it did. So what I did, you know, I lay it down on my fingers, but when I lay it down, I just go real quick down and up. Right. Um, and, and just kind of use that that stretch, shorten reflex of your muscles. 
um, to just bounce it right back up. Yeah. Uh, and so the other side was dry, um, but it had started missing, and I didn't realize the top of the tire was wet. Um, mm. and, and, you know, like, like being soaking wet is different than a mist. It's like when it first rains, the yeah. road, all that grease and oil hasn't washed off yet, and it's slippier. Slip, it's the most slip, slip, slippiest, slippier. I don't know. <laughs> but a slick. That's what <laughs> Slick. We'll go with that. Um, yeah, so I went down. I had a perfect grip up. I wasn't struggling, and it just literally slipped out of my hands, and I'm pulling. I was like, shit, like, God. And it was soft soil, so, you know, it sits down. And thank God there was a gap over to the side of it. Um, but even then, it was so slick at that point, I went to get my – I couldn't even grab it with my fingers. I actually had a – kind of put my hands under like a spatula and just brace my wrists and then, then get it up. And, um, even at that point I got it up and my foot slipped out a little bit behind me. So yeah, I was, uh, my heart was beating at that point for sure because, uh, you know, Woods Atkins and, uh, uh, Kent were right. You know, if one failed obstacle, I was going from first to, you know, fifth place real quick, you know? So, uh, but yeah, Matt being there really helped, you know, that just having someone yelling in your ear, it's, you know, it's like in the gym lifting, you know, when you have someone slapping on your back or yelling at you, you can just, you always put up that last rep a little bit easier or just get it done. I figured you were about ready to say, shut up, I got it. (laughs) (laughs) If I had energy, I might have, but, uh, you know, I put everything into that for sure. Man, you should have like sat on the A-frame and waited for the other two to like get close to the bottom and be like, come on guys, I'll wait on you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny, I had this conversation with my girlfriend. Um, like when I got to the top of the A-frame, put my hand up, uh, it, everything goes so fast in your head when you're racing um, that like I thought I was up there for like 10 seconds sitting up there putting my hand up and you look at the live feed it's like half a second and you don't <laughs> realize how you just don't realize how fast you're moving in a race and because your mind's going a million miles a second and uh, yeah it's just kind of funny but uh yeah I normally don't let let emotion out like that but it was um uh, you know that was that was four years of rehab and recovery and you know, bonking in races and, yeah. you know, bonk, you know, not even finishing Tahoe races and not, perform, you know, all that just kind of accumulated. That was all that one race, basically. And, you know, finally I was able to accomplish, you know, the first of uh, a few major goals I have. That's uh, feels nice to check that off. Man, I, can, I can't even imagine, you know, the emotions you had, you know, finishing a race of that caliber, you know, and just, you know, like you said, being the, being the underdog and just showing everybody, hey, y'all, my name's Ryan Kempson and I'm a threat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That, yeah. It's, uh, there's awesome. a lot, there's a lot that comes out of that. And I, I think the only thing I was surprised of is going in, these guys are such great athletes. Um, you, you have to, like, you have to go in and figure out, like, what am I good? Like, what am I going to be better than a Woods at? What am I going to be better than an Atkins at? What am I going to be better than a Killian at? Apparently, and you're better at running in Jacksonville. Well, what? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> but you know, the truth is, going in the race, I don't know that, and I was like really stressed out in my head. I'm like, how, like, when? I, how am I going to win this race? And you know, in my mind, if I were to. You know, my goal is to be on the podium in that race, and I actually I, I knew I could do that, so I wasn't going to surprise myself down there. I knew I was fast enough. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, I'm sure. But, I mean, I'm sure like, you were looking over your shoulder the whole time, being like, "When are they gonna pass uh, me?" You know what I mean? It, yeah. uh, well, <laughs> I was scared that Woods was gonna catch me for sure. But um, you know, once you get to that moment and you realize you have an advantage in a race that you know I'm faster than these guys, uh, it just it, it just feels right. It's not a surprise. Um, you know, at that point, all of us prepare so well that yeah. You get into a zone or a flow state, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, but uh, it's not a surprise, um, and you just kind of roll with it, and I think that's part of being uh, an athlete that can compete with the best. Um, I think that's a there's a huge mental component side of of these, these Atkins and Woods and Killians and everybody else there at the top um, of being tough enough and willing to, willing to take charge. Um, and I, I don't think many other athletes down in the pro tier uh, have that willingness to go out with the top guys, to make a move on one of the top guys. And if if you're scared and not willing to do that, you're never going to be you're never going to be the best. Um, and I think that's why they separate themselves from everybody else. I mean, you look at Atkins. I mean, the dude's a monster. I mean, he, I don't even think he was in shape for this race. And he comes down and somehow closes the gap in woods at the end. Like that was remarkable. And yeah, and he's just been like riding bikes and skiing in the yeah. snow for months, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, I know that makes him fit, but that doesn't make <laughs> you fit for running like a flat course race, full tilt yeah. red line the whole time. Like, yeah, man, that's, he, he is, he's a remarkable, remarkable guy. All those guys are remarkable what they're able to do. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be able to compete with them. Maybe it's, it's from it's all the years of him being a professional unicyclist or whatever, man. He's just, <laughs> he can go to any terrain and handle it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. He's got, I guess, uh, the maple syrup, Canadian stuff. I don't know. Yeah. He's got something something in his blood that allows him to really hammer hard. So I give him a lot of credit for it, though. Man, I love maple syrup, and you know something down here in the south, and I don't know if they have it up there in Vermont, but, like, down here, man, people like cane syrup. I cannot stand that mess. It's- no, I, it's, I, Vermont is known for their maple syrup, too. <laughs> like, I grew up, all my friends had, uh, you know, sugar, sugar shacks and farms. We got it right from the source, and, you know, it's, I, didn't, I didn't know what Aunt Jemima's was when I was a kid. Man, there was a place we ate at uh, when we did Killington last year, uh, and we stayed in what is it, Layton, Lighton, or how, whatever the town's called. And there was yeah. it was a little pub that was there, and I want to say it might have been Irish themed, but they had some maple, ah, I don't know, like some maple maple buffalo wings, and they were like supposed yeah. to be award winning. Them things were good, man. Oh yeah, uh, maple tastes good, especially when it's cooked down. It's just. It's not as sweet as cane sugar or normal sugar. It's just got a real nice flavor to it, and it you know it, it goes well with a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, but um, I'm I'm a maple syrup fan for sure. <laughs> I don't care for that cane syrup, man. I don't like it. I don't like it. Good, good. Supporting the Vermont economy, I appreciate it. Yeah. So, all right, man, I always ask everybody I have on the show a few questions, yep. man. So I'm going to ask you a few questions, man. I'm going to let you go. Promise. So, yep, like, good. to this date, what has been, like, your most, your best race, your most fun race, the race that, that you love the most? And why? Um, I'm going to put two out there. 
Um, the first was, you know, battling back and forth with my brother. He beat me like 30 races before I could even beat him. And it was two or three years ago I finally beat him at the Tuxedo Park race right. um, in New York, which is which is one of my favorite courses, too. Um, so that was one of my favorite. And then uh, Killington, obviously, is, you know, one of the best races there is. And, I agree. Uh, uh, last year winning that race felt really good. Um it was just fun, you know. The mountain races are, are great. You know, they're they are they're it they're, makes they're it tough, fun. they're rugged, and when you get to the top and you're fucking suffering, like you can just look out and remind yourself to look at the, the scenery, and it just puts a smile on your face. And you know, it's it's much more much more fun than a flat course for sure. Yeah, or rewarding, I should say. Yeah, Killington was just man. That was like the the best race, uh, you know, I did. You know. To, to date to me. I mean, that, that venue is, it's gorgeous, man. It's gorgeous suffering and it's, it's yeah. just the most memorable yeah. race by far. It was awesome. Yeah. You know, it, it, and what I think I equated to is, you know, every turn of the corner of that race, you got something new. You have a, a river, a stream, a lake, you know, it's, it's a pine forest and then it's a lush green, you know, maple trees you're running through. Like it, it's different and challenging the entire way. You know, it's not like a Tahoe where it's literally the same thing the entire race, you know? Um, I, I like that, that aspect of it for sure. Man, we, and we run the ultra and my girlfriend went up there and she didn't run on Saturday and bless her heart. She's the best. She, you know, she was there watching us, been up since. As soon as we got up, she was up. So she was out there just waiting for us to finish all day long, you know, just a great sport. And the next day, you know, she was going to run the sprint. And I'm thinking, man, I'm so jacked up. And, I, I mean, I didn't want to, but I said I knew I was because, you know, after all that she did for us, you know, I got to go out there. So, I mean, oh, balls yeah. chafed and everything, you know. <laughs> I mean, me and my buddy Michael, we run, you know, the age group heat with her. And I was like, and so there was a section that was on the sprint that was not on the beast course or the ultra beast course. And it was one of the most memorable uh, parts too, because it was like you went through, it broke off into the forest and there was nothing but just all these fir trees. It looked like a wild Christmas tree farm. And yeah, just, I know exactly where that is. It's oh beautiful. my god, it was awesome, dude! It was yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's uh, it, it's great that that course see, it can can leave so many people with such great memories of just being such a beautiful area. Yeah, man. I told myself I wasn't going to do the ultra there again, but we already signed up to do it again this year. So. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Uh, I'll, I'll do it someday. I still haven't done an ultra yet. Man, the ultra loop they did was, it was worse than the death march, man. It was like a technical death march, pretty much. Man, it was, yeah, it, that's what, like, I actually almost went on. I think Woody was sitting there. I almost went went <laughs> went the wrong way <laughs> um, down it, but... Uh, I remember you, you take the cutoff and basically we we uh, we did the cutoff and then you guys are basically coming back up from from where that loop was and I remember seeing uh, who was it Kevin Bubbles come through there yeah and I'm talking to him and man they just looked trash from going through that section it, was, oh, it sounded horrible it was bad and I was like putting forth like a really good effort and when I got to mm-hmm. that part I think I was like three quarters up that and I was like this isn't even the death march and I'm like I'm gonna throttle back I'm just gonna change my goal to 
finish. <laughs> yeah, I heard you guys were like on your hands and knees trying to get up that that steep section. Yeah, man, we were like grabbing like little small trees at the base to like climb up <laughs> certain parts. Man, it was it was it was wild, dude. It was wild. That's not see. Yeah, they put together, you know. That's that. That's just the essence of Spartan racing there for sure, and I don't think it'll ever change. <laughs> yeah, man, it was it was an awesome course, man. Definitely, definitely memorable. So, all right, man. So, what has been like your the worst race, the race you hated the most, and why? Um, I, there's a few I hated. You know, <laughs> I, I dropped I dropped out of tie a few times, but probably the worst experience ever was I two years ago in West Virginia at the championship. I um, I, I was getting in pretty good shape then, you know, still not great shape, and I was I was you know. I, I was in the top five at one point, and I think I dropped back. I was still in the top ten. You know, I felt really good about myself, and I still hadn't figured out nutrition yet. Plus, right. it was just kind of pushing. You know, to that well, I think that year is like fifteen miles, and like eleven miles is kind of my limit. And uh, we're literally two miles from the finish line, and I just started bonking, like just. The, <laughs> the, the prime example of bonking my mm. my blood sugar levels dropped i think i was dehydrated and i got to a point where i couldn't i was dizzy i like couldn't see straight and i got it was so bad um i kept trying to push myself to run and then my legs just literally weren't working like mm. I, I it was the worst experience ever and i'm literally huddled up in a ball on these switchbacks um <laughs> on a descent and people are just running past me and there's a few people you can talk to about it but they're like you're right comes in and it was just me answering like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> like Man. just mumbling thank god uh i think lefty helped me and my buddy jazz they'd stopped and given me some food and it's the only way i and basically walk the rest of the way but uh yeah it was it was bad because it was i was going from such a high i was doing so well in the race and then it's just like the worst thing possible happened mm. that was uh that sucks <laughs> man i don't know why but like the past two years i've gone there the beast I, for some reason i always cramp on that beast at that venue the next day during the super and the sprint i feel yeah. great i don't know what it yeah. is I don't know. It's a different climate for sure. It's hot. Um, maybe the travel to get there, but uh, it, that course beats you up pretty good. Um, yeah, man, I love that venue. That's an credit. awesome venue. Yeah, I'm glad they keep going back there. That's a lot of fun for sure. Yeah, I know. They kind of delayed, you know, whether they were going to put it there this year or not. And I was like, man, I hope they don't lose it. But sure enough, we got it again. Yeah. So that's a fun yeah. venue for sure. Yeah, I don't think that's going any anywhere anytime soon because you know it's based on bids that's how basically how they do this and that having the the scout reservation there and the income from that i, I think they probably will always put in a pretty high bid over that anybody else so uh, i hope it stays there i know i know this last year you know they run us through that one part and it showed all those different rock climbing walls they had they had a bunch yep. of stuff yeah, that, that that camp is pretty sweet. Like I, I'd love to be a Boy Scout and go there as a kid. Like yeah, that's for real, pretty man. awesome. I know all the camps I went to when I was in Boy Scouts were kind of sucks. Yeah, they were horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, so what is like your race ritual? What are you doing Friday night? What are you doing Saturday morning? What are you doing like post race? You know, to recover. 
What what is your strategy? Your secret strategy tips? Uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of rest, honestly. I try to eat a lot of food. You know, the whole week before, but definitely a you know, real big breakfast the day before. Um, and then when I snack all day and I eat a, a massive kind of late lunch around two, two or three o'clock. Um, and then I have a nice light dinner. Um, and I try to just, I try to relax and forget about everything. Um, and I always bring a book with me to read the night before to try to put myself to sleep um, and get a good night, night's rest. Because the worst thing in the world is having that anxiety the night before and not sleeping, waking up every every couple minutes, every couple hours, and you, know, you get up the next day and you just like don't want to get up and race. Right. Um, you know, because that's a, it's hard. You get up at four in the morning and race. Like you just you wake up and you're not excited because <laughs> yeah. you're so damn tired. So, uh, you know, not, nothing really, really cutting edge. Just, you know, I like and rest and sleep and try to get, put the anxiety behind and be confident that, you know, at that point, there's nothing I can do in my training to change the outcome of what's going to happen the next day. You just right. got to trust that whatever you did, did worked. Um, and, and to, I don't think a lot, of, I think a lot of people stress out and do the coulda, woulda, shoulda game at that point, but yeah. you know, just accept what you did and, you know, figure out if it worked or not, and if it didn't, you got to change it. Change it after, but there's no reason to stress about it the night before because it ain't going to change anything. Right. So, what are you doing the morning of? You getting up really early, eating a big breakfast, taking some supplements? <laughs> oh man, I can't eat. I can barely eat the night, the, the day of. Uh, it, I've never, I've never been able to eat before a sports competition. So I, I get up. I'll, you know, make sure to pound some water in the morning. I'll have some fruit. Uh, my girlfriend makes me some really good gluten-free uh, muff chocolate, chocolate chip and oh, cool. uh, uh, like nut muffings uh, to try to fuel up. Sometimes pancakes. I, I take a, a gluten-free pancake with me. Um, other than that, you know, I do that. I do really uh, some some morning routines to wake up my body to make sure it's ready so I'm not warm enough when I get to the venue, but my body's kind of active and ready to roll um early on and get there early put some music on jog around and uh try to pump yourself up with some good confidence and think about what you have to do to the, the execution it's going to take to win that day and, and you just try to stay relaxed on the start line and then they blow the gun and you know adrenaline pumps and you Get ready to rock and roll. What's your pump up song, man? We we might all be listening to the wrong music, man. <laughs> Tell us what your pump up song is. Uh, well, Jacksonville. I forgot my headphones, so I had nothing. I, I was uh, actually uh, that that gives me some anxiety. I wasn't sure if I was going to get focused enough. Um, I I I don't have one song. Uh, I listen to you know. I start off with some white rock, honestly, um, and then as uh, just to kind of wake up, and then uh, I like a lot of rap and hip hop because probably come from basketball, and yeah. I think right before the race uh, comes, I, I get to more some uh, rock and roll. Um, I really like uh, new band Greta Van Fleet. They've uh, been kind of my, my my rock band to to get all jived up with recently. Cool, cool, man. So, so what are you doing like immediately after the race, man? Like, okay, this race is over. I'm done. What are you doing? Besides binging uh, on a big meal like I always do. <laughs> you know, there's 
there's the stuff I want to do, but you get, I just, uh, I guess I'm a chatty Cathy. I don't know. And I get talking to everybody and all it's, you know, there's an hour has gone by. You haven't done anything, but uh, no, I try to try to slam some water. Um, I try to get some protein in my system pretty quick, um, to help the, it helps kind of initiate the, the recovery process actually, uh, it, it affects the cortisol levels in your body, which in turn helps affect the kind of the recovery process initiated. Um, so I do that and then try to get a good meal and I, uh, I try to go for a recovery jog right away and then do some, um, some uh, basic movement practice. I do some stretching and whatnot, um, just to cool down the body. And uh, I think that's really important because I, I've found if you don't do, if you just race and stop and get chatting for too long, um, don't do anything the next day you feel like crap. Mm. Um, yeah. So I make sure to, to cool that good cool down is really important for me, and then eat a shit ton of food. Yeah, that's what we did. Me and my buddy, we went to Krispy Kreme, <laughs> ate Krispy Kreme for dinner pretty much that night, and then got up and ran a sprint the nice. next day. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, man, Krispy Kreme's where it's at. That hot light, man. They got hot light Krispy Kremes in Vermont, man. No, I've never been to Krispy Kreme. <laughs> oh my god, dude! This interview's over, man. I gotta go. <laughs> Man, the next time you come they, they down south, here. dude, you got to go, when you're in Alabama, you got to go, yep. I don't know if there is one, but you got to look around Sourland or maybe Mobile and find a Krispy Kreme and go in there when the hot light's on. Those donuts uh, will melt in your mouth. Dunkin' Donuts is bullshit. I don't like Dunkin' Donuts. I hate it. Because it's cake, it, it, man. It, it, it's crap. And it's funny. Like, you know, they say, like, the, you know, the, the world runs on Dunkin'. New England Maybe the coffee. Run, yeah, li, New England literally lives on Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee. It is insane how much they drink it up here. Like yeah. it just—it's not even good. It blows my mind. Yeah. See, people go to Krispy Kreme for the donuts because their coffee sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but man, just trust me. When you get a chance, go to a Krispy Kreme when the hot light is on and get a dozen. You might as well. It's cheaper to just get a dozen. <laughs> And just knock them out. They will melt in your freaking mouth. It's the bomb. I, I, I will. I, I will after next race for sure. I if you don't remember anything while, I said so. to you today, remember that, man. <laughs> I'm going to hit up the Krispy Kreme. It'll be good, yeah, because we're going, uh, I think we're flying into Atlanta first. We'll, we'll definitely hit one oh, for sure. I know there's one in Atlanta. All right. Good. So for good. sure. Well, hey, Ryan, Count man. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, man. And uh, I'll see you in Alabama for a couple of weeks, man. Heck yeah, I look forward to it. Um, do you want to like, I mean, any for people to follow you on Instagram and Facebook? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, my uh, Instagram handle is coach underscore Kempson. You follow me. I try to post, uh, you know, just share my journey and what I do for training as much as I can. Um facebook uh i guess you search my name i have no idea any links for it <laughs> right uh yeah instagram's kind of where it's at cool man well hey ryan we'll see you in alabama man we'll talk to you later all right appreciate it take care bye i want to thank ryan again for taking the time to talk to us it's actually funny because we talked a little bit longer after the recording and we were talking to each other about the shitty hotel rooms we booked when we were down in jacksonville <laughs> um 
Want to wish him luck in Alabama in a couple of weeks. I'll be down there. Come up to me and say what's up. I love hearing from people that listen to the show. Had a bunch of people come up to me in Jacksonville and tell me they really enjoyed the show, and it means a lot. I want to thank everybody. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Leave a review on iTunes. I'll read it, and we will see you at the next race. Peace.